we are going to start and begin this new message series today. And uh, man, it, it is already, it's uh, done so much work on my heart, and uh, honestly just hearing uh, something come through, but uh, it, it's doing so much work on my heart. I, I hope it's a blessing to you. Uh, one concern uh, that I had, I'm, I'm laying a lot of groundwork today uh, for the series as a whole, and I don't, want, I don't want you to get lost in the laying of the groundwork and the background and what we're going to talk about here uh, this first week from the actual message that I'm going to bring and the text that I'm going to zero in on today. So uh, bear with me, stay with me as we kind of navigate through the beginning part of this book, and uh, I kind of position it historically and where it is biblically, uh, the narrative of it. So stay with me as we move from that portion of the message to actually uh, the text and the truth that I have for you today. I believe that today uh, could be one of the most important messages you'll ever hear for our members and our attenders. And I know that that's a big bold statement. Um, but honestly, when I, uh, when I read this and when the truth came out to me, I thought, I, I just, man, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to strip that away to where I can just offer them that truth with nothing extra. And, and it was just, it seemed so daunting for me. Um, but I want to get it right. And I want the Holy Spirit to speak through uh, to you and to your heart the way he spoke to me uh, with what I have read and seen in this text, and I want it to be impactful. Um, so stay engaged, get your Bibles, um, and get ready to, to just jump into this text. Before I do, I want to have a time of prayer. If you have a prayer request, um, I, I go back through these comments, um, typically the same day, today, maybe tomorrow, and I scroll back through the comments and I look at them. So if you've got something, uh, this is probably one of the biggest things that I miss out on uh, as far as having church online and, and not gathering together is seeing your faces. And we have a time in our church uh, that we express, we raise hands and we give our prayer requests in front of the whole church. And I've missed that because you really, uh, you get the emotion that comes with it and you really sense where someone is in their heart with what they're going through. So uh, we'll do the next best thing and that's put it in the comments. If you have a prayer request that you'd like to bring to the church, please post it in the comments. If you're thinking, man, I, I don't know, I don't really want to post that, uh, man, just do it. We want to lift each other up. We want to be there for each other in community and in prayer. Uh, so I'm going to pray right now, uh, but if you have something special uh, that you'd like to mention that you want the church to pray about, put it in the comments, and that'll give us a place for all of us to read throughout the week and continue in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. While I'm praying, you pray right there uh, in your home. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we pray that you would just uh, forgive us where we failed you. Father, we want to honor you today. We want to lift up your name, the name of Jesus. And Father, we invite you into our presence. We ask that your Holy Spirit would fill our homes, would fill this place right now, would convict us of truth and where we have gone wrong and would comfort us and love us during this time of distress. And Father, we just pray your Spirit upon us. We pray that you would fill in everywhere where we can't, where we don't know, where we don't understand, where we don't even know how to Feel. Father, we, we pray that, that your spirit would just come and bear fruit in our lives this morning. 
And Father, through this text, I pray that you would do something special. I pray that you would lead us this morning to where you would have us to be. I pray, Father, if there is someone that is watching this video and they don't know you as Savior, Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would put their faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's jump in. Uh, once again, if you have not uh, shared this, like and share this post, and uh, we're going to jump right in here. First John, uh, we're going to go over chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 14. So today's message will encompass chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 14. Many believe this book was authored by John, the beloved, the one Jesus loved, the one who penned the Gospel of John. These three books that we're about to study and the book of Revelation. Many believe that this collection of books was written after the, the, after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, uh, that John moved to Ephesus and penned these books to a group of house churches uh, for several reasons. He was concerned with them staying connected. Uh, you have the destruction uh, of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem. You have unrest. You have the scattering of them. You have uh, uh, Paul uh, going about to the Gentiles. And you have many of those churches that are supporting these Jews that are being scattered. They're taking up offerings. And, and you have the gospel spreading like wildfire. Uh, people that are uh, being witnessed to and won by the apostles. And then them taking the gospel to their corners of the world. And you have this part of that explosion. But John, he was concerned with this group of house churches. And we are going to find that in these three books that he is going to uh, really exhort them to stay connected, uh, stay connected to the gospel, to stay connected to each other, and to not be uh, tossed to and fro, to not be distracted, and to not be lured away by false teachers. So we're going to specifically talk about that as well. And he even names names uh, and people that he was like being direct with those house churches saying, watch this guy. Uh, so this is going to have some interesting moments for us in this series. Uh, but I thought, man, what a great three books for us to study during this time. We're going through a global pandemic. We're going through a time when we're meeting in our homes, online, church online, you're in your house. And we already know that the church is not walls, it is, it is us. Uh, we are the church, and God is working in our hearts, God is working in our lives. Uh, and so this is a very applicable text for us to study. Uh, John had the objective, and he was going to meet the objective under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And that objective that we have titled this series is Staying Connected. It is extremely important, and it has been for, for centuries, uh, for the church to stay connected. And so I want you right now uh, to, to acknowledge the fact that it is important for the church to stay connected. Right now in your homes, knowing that, man, you just can't wait. I know me. I can't wait for you guys to get back here for us to hug and embrace and be a part of that gathering aspect of the church. We we right now more than ever for us, because this has never happened before in our lifetime, we right now more than ever can feel the need for connection. And so what we can do is take this need for connection, this need for community that we all have, and translate it for our need for connection and community with God. 
And how many of us live our lives in such a way that is disconnected from God because it's by faith and not by sight, because it's not right in front of us. We ignore the scriptures, we ignore the Holy Spirit, and we don't stay connected. But in a, in a time like this, we can feel, man, when we're not connected physically, uh, man, it, it's a problem. We go through depression, we go through anxiety, we go through all of these feelings. Well, well listen, spiritually speaking, some of you have been in that state for a long time. And hopefully this will be a, a wake-up call. John thought it possible for this group of house churches to stay connected. So he would say to us, Bethlehem Church, you have the internet. Bethlehem Church, you have some incredible tools uh, to stay connected today. And I believe it is possible. So let's jump in here. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, still kind of laying the groundwork here. Uh, for, for where our author is, is riding and the direction he's going here. So 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard and declare unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I underline this part. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Right there, think about that that your joy may be full. These things I write unto you, the purpose is that your joy may be full. We see here in the prologue uh, that this is very similar to John 1, 1 through 5. Watch this, John 1, 1 through 5. So this is 1 John. Let's go to John 1, 1 through 5, another book that he wrote. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. He is going to use that same light and dark analogy in just a moment in our current text. It's so interesting to see uh, another way. Uh, we don't really have it addressed in, the, in 1 John that he wrote the book, um, but we can see the similarities in writing uh, and the same analogies. Uh, so here we go. Uh, we are writing, think about this, he establishes right off the bat what his purpose is. We are writing that, that your joy may be full. Think about where you are right now. Th think about the moment in life that you are in. Is your joy full? In the context of when he was writing, it wasn't that it, it was all perfect. It wasn't that there wasn't unrest in the government, that there wasn't sickness, that there wasn't financial issues and hardships. We know that there's always been these problems and they always will exist. And scripture tells us that we are going to go through hard things. That didn't matter. John said, listen, I'm writing unto you that your joy may be full. I I'm preaching to you now, church, that your joy may be full. The clear objective here is for us to be completely, holistically connected in joy to our Heavenly Father. So what does that look like for John? Once again, still laying groundwork. What does that look like for John? If he's saying, I'm writing unto you that your joy may be full, we have to assume that he's writing from a place of being full. Uh, so I just have a few observations here 
that, that he's kind of coming out of the gate with, if you will. Here's a few things that I saw. Looking at 1 John, you don't have to put the text up, Cody, but looking at 1 John, that which was from the beginning, we've heard, we've seen with our own eyes, we have looked upon, our hands have handled the word of life. This life was manifested. We have seen it. We bear witness. We show unto you that eternal life, which was uh, with the Father and manifest, that which we have seen and heard, we declare it unto you, that ye may also have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. What am I getting? What, what nuances uh, of John's faith am I picking up here? I see that John is testifying. He's testifying. When we look at this author, and he is telling us to stay connected, he's telling these group of house churches that it is important that their joy be full at this point in life. He is testifying. What's he testifying of? How do we put our, our, ourself in his place and understand where the author is coming from? He's saying, look, I'm testifying that God is light. I'm testifying that God is truth. I've heard it. I've seen it. I've observed it. I've touched it. All things concerning the word of life. Listen, we have to be encouraged today because John was testifying about what he saw. This is an eyewitness testimony that your joy may be full. You're not being challenged to have your joy filled. You're not being challenged to have your faith full. You're not being challenged this morning uh, to, to have a solid relationship with God from someone who didn't. You're being challenged by someone who had a strong testimony. And I see here that John is testifying. What else is John doing here in this text? He's, he's saying, I'm intertwining. First, I'm testifying that I've seen it. I've felt it. I've touched it. I've been a part of it. Also, what he says is, I'm intertwining. Our God came to us. He walked among us. Think about John 1, 1 through 5. He walked among us and brought us into relationship with him. A little prerequisite, a little bit of understanding here, a, a a little presupposition that John is saying where I'm taking you to be full I'm, I'm telling you first that you must understand that our God is all intertwined in us and, and here's a verse that maybe makes some sense of it Romans 8 15 through 17 and I believe I quoted this last week for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, and we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, and if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. John was not saying that, I want your joy to be full so that you don't go through suffering. I want your joy to be full so that you don't have to deal with these issues. He's saying, no, if you understand what I'm testifying to you about, it is real. Our God is real. He is truth. He is life. He is the king of kings. It's all intertwined. The father sent the son. The son bared witness. The son paid the price. The son laid his inheritance on the line for us. And the Holy Spirit is in your heart telling you that it's all true. And I touched it and I felt it and I saw it. Man, this is some, some confirmation. This is something, listen, that, that is glorious. Our gospel is proven. Our gospel, I think about the Resurrection Sunday that we just had. Over 500 people witnessed him after he rose from the dead. If that happened today, imagine how much traffic that live stream would get. Those people putting their phones on them. And it would actually be the real version instead of that Messiah version that's on Netflix. That was kind of weird. Uh, but anyway, the, the point is this, is that John was saying, I'm testifying. 
We're going to this text. We're going to the truths that the Holy Spirit led him to pen from a place of him experiencing it. You don't want to learn from someone who has no clue what they're doing, right? If you go to work for the first day, and they say, okay, it's time for training, and the fellow that was training you says, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, here's a book, figure it out. You'd be like, John says that's not the experience that you're going to have. I've seen him. I've heard him. I've touched him. And now internally, I see him. I feel him. He's touching me through his spirit. Man, this is incredible. Here's the other thing. And this is where we kind of land today. John says first, I'm just testifying. I'm intertwining that God and the Father and his Son and the Holy Spirit, this is all working together and it's converging onto us. The, the, the Father sent his Son. The Son is going to redeem us. We're joint heirs and the Spirit of God is bearing witness and sealing us. Now this place where heaven and earth meet, this place that is intertwining is in your heart where heaven and earth meets. Here's the third thing John is saying. He's saying, I'm overflowing. John wants them to know that if they are in the light, walking in the truth, they will be overflowing. Listen to this statement. If you're connected to God, you will get what you need from God. If you are connected to God, you will get what you need from God. Now, right there, that statement Many of us, maybe there's been some division right there at that moment. You're like, man, I just don't have what I need. I just don't feel like I am receiving what I need from God. We've all been there. And especially in a time like this, we can find ourselves there. So it is important for you to listen. It's important for you to dive into this text with us and understand that what John was saying is, this is that you may be full and the rest of the book is going to talk about how this relationship with God is going to give you what you need. It's not the world. It's not the things that the devil is putting in front of you. But I, I want to connect you to someone that, that I have been connected with. And now my joy is overflowing. And I want that for you. And as your pastor, I want that for you. If we were to put this into like a simple few words. This book, this experience of staying connected, this experience of staying connected with God, if I were to just paraphrase it, this isn't the message. We're laying groundwork. This is all introduction. How would I put this into just a few words? I would say this. A connected life is a content life. Here's what I see. I see it's a content life. Uh, you, want, you want what you have and you have what you want. I think a, a connected life is a content life. It, does that describe you? Uh, does that describe where you are in your relationship with God? I mean, think about it. We've all been literally cooped up in our houses for weeks now, and we're sitting there Googling, what's next? I mean, you've already spent all the money you had. Uh, that stimulus check came in and went right out, right? I mean, at this point, we've, we've got time to research everything we know. We've planned out our next year's worth of purchases. But let me ask you, what are you connecting yourself to? And I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying, are they filling a place that God wants to fill? A connected life is a content life. A connected life, we're going to see through this study in this book that it's a consistent life. It's a consistent life. 
trends and tracks towards Jesus? Do you track towards Jesus? Is your direction going towards him? Do you trend toward the things of the church and God? Are you connected? That's what I would ask you. It's a consistent life. It's a content, a consistent. And then the third thing that we're going to find is that it's a confident life. Trustworthiness in what God is doing in us. John is going to teach us that a connected life is a confident life. Are you confident in what God is doing? I think of Philippians 1.6. He which hath begun this good work in you, he will perform it. He uses language like light versus darkness. And loving our Father in such a way that displays our devotion and desire to be connected to our God more than anything this world has to offer. Here's today, all right? We're going to land in this place, in this pocket of the truth that we have for today. I want to bring us to this first place that John takes us to in his effort of our joy being complete, right there in verse 4. That we may be full. Another way, another way to say that word is full or perfect or complete or the first part of being connected, which would be content. Our joy may be full, that we may be content, that we may be complete, that we may be perfect in the salvation work that God is doing in our lives. That's where John is is taking us. Now let me ask you this question. We've danced around it. Are you full in your soul? This is a question that we need to ask ourselves today and that we need to meditate on. How is your soul? Are you complete And if the answer is no, then we have to address it. We have to let the truths of God's word, the message of this author, come into our life this morning and fix what's broken and help fill us and and get us to a place where we are content with what God is doing. If you just can't wait to get that next thing, do that next thing, go to that next stage in life, and I'm preaching to myself. This is something that I struggle with in my own personality, the way I am. If I'm not careful, I can be focused on what's next instead of focused on the God that has what's next prepared. So let me ask you, how is your soul, how are you on the inside today? Let me, let me remind you why this is important. Now, this is us assembling this passage together to where I can kind of hand it to you with what I think he's saying. Go to 1 John chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, verses 12 through 14. Why is all of this important? Why is it important for us to be filled, for us to be connected to each other and to God? Why is this important? He says this. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. This is so important that you become, stay complete and Content. This is so important that you follow through. Why? Because of the value that God has placed on you. I want to remind you how valuable Jesus is. He is infinitely valued. 
infinitely. We are joint heirs with Christ. And the writer says, listen, I'm writing unto you because your sins are forgiven. I think sometimes as a church, when our souls are depleted, when the inside has been emptied out, when the devil has convinced us that something else is more important, it's because we lose sight as to what God did for us. We lose sight of the way that he made. We lose sight of the grace that he has extended to us as we were just a sinner, as we were twofold a child of wrath, as we were in a place that was lost, and he found us. Why is this whole thing important? Pastor Matt, forget this, man. I just, as soon as things get back to normal, I'll be fine. As soon as routine can get back in the groove of things, I'll be great. Listen, maybe this lack of routine Maybe these moments in life have happened just to show you who you're really connected or not connected to. These moments that happen are moments that define us. And John says, I'm writing to you because it's important that you understand the work that has happened and all that has gone into your salvation. We had Resurrection Sunday last week. The same power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead lives in us. And I'm writing unto you, church. I'm preaching. I'm trying to inspire you to this place of being full and not settling for anything less because of what our God has done for us. Think about it. Because of who he is to us. We have an incredible God. All right. Let's get cracking. I see one major theme from Chapter 1, verse 5, to chapter 2, verse 5. And I want you to listen. I want you to dive into this text. I want you to read every verse. We're not going to do it this morning for sake of time. But I, and we're going to highlight certain things. But I want you to read this. I, I want you to go back and really meditate on what this text is saying. But here's where I'm at this morning for today's message. We've laid the groundwork of what the author is doing, what he's trying to accomplish. He was very clear right out of the gate. And what I'm saying for this first week's message, what I'm zeroing in on is I see a theme, uh, a, a, some repetition in his message from chapter 1, verse 5, which says, uh, then this is the message which we have heard and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness, all the way to chapter 2, verse 5, but whoso keepeth his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. I see some things that land in those verses that are really this. Here's one question. Mm. The coffee's good today, just in case you're wondering. It's really good. It's fantastic. One more sip. I needed that. I'm dry today. So here's the, uh, I'm, I'm dry every Sunday. That's my excuse. I'm up here killing three cups of coffee. <laughs> here's the question. Are you telling the truth? I think this is what the author is, is going for. Right out of the gate, Here's what he's after. I, I'm writing. John says, I, I'm giving this message to you that your joy can be filled. What I need you to do is tell the truth. What I need you to do is just be honest about where you are. In this first message, as we begin this series of staying connected with God, my message to you this morning is you have to be honest. You have to. There is no reason for you to put up a front. The Word of God never lead, leads us to be hypocrites, Pharisees. In fact, Jesus' ministry was quite to the opposite. It was to those that would be honest. And if anything that I think we deal with, if any, it's this, in the church of 2020, it's the fact that we are projecting. The fact that we are unwilling to be honest with ourselves. That's what I'm seeing and what I want to push on today. 
You can boil 1 5 through 2 5 through chapter 2, verse 5 to Are you telling the truth? Here are a few questions I get a lot. Stay with me this morning. How do I know I'm saved? Or, or how do I know if a family member is saved? Is so, if, if someone, uh, really is, is someone really saved if they backslide? Or, or if they quit coming to church, are they really saved? We talk about those things a lot. And I understand why we ask those questions. And they're good questions to ask. They are. But we get them a lot, and probably the most, are centered around something that is a work of God. And those, those things of if someone falls out of church or if someone backslides, are we really uh, saved? And, and I understand that you have those feelings and those questions arise because we see what's in the text. You, as a, as, and I'm speaking specifically to a member of our church or an attender of our church, someone has, who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're asking those questions because you know God is real. You're asking those questions because you see in this text right here that John says, for the life was made manifest. It was, I saw it, I have seen it, it bears witness. You know that the Bible is true and that the Holy Spirit of God tells you it's true. So that's where those questions come from. You, you, you think to yourself, oh my goodness, this is real. Oh my goodness, I put my faith and trust in him. And this is, this is filling my life. It's filling my heart. And, and then we have troubles and then we have issues. And then we fall away. But the question is, is did I really mean it? Did I really get it? Am I really saved? My goal today, and this was one of the author's goals, he talks about knowing that you're saved, and we're going to get there, but he doesn't start there. He starts with first saying, look, you need to be honest about where you are in your heart. I'm reminded of the greatest thing we can do as Christians for those we love, and that do not yet know the love of God. We can love God and follow God and let our joy be full in God, and that light will shine on those that are in darkness. We must reach others from a place of contentment and not from a place of discontentment. I'm going to say that again. We must reach others that we are concerned about from a place of contentment ourselves and not from a place of discontentment. A problem I see more often than not is that those that are in darkness are still in darkness because the so-called children of light are also living in darkness. So if I may this morning, I want to pose a better question. A better question that I think will really put us where we need to be and down that path of eternal security. Here's the question. How can I shine brighter? How can I shine brighter. When you ask that question, it immediately challenges your light source. It may, you think, challenge your abilities, but if that is the case, then you may be lying to yourself. Remember, the author is really posing this question, are you telling the truth? Are you being honest? And if we're honest, we should ask ourselves, how can I shine brighter? And if that question leads you to a place of, what can I do? Then you're lying to yourself. Your perspective is skewed on why we're connected to God to begin with. And the author is going to pick that apart. He's going to lead us to a place where we are confident and what God is doing in our lives. Today's me message, this is very important for you to understand and for you to get. The author outlines two specific things. I thought it was three, but it's really two. 
right here from chapter 1, verse 5, to chapter 2, verse 5, he outlines two questions, two things, really, two things that statements that we say, and if we say, say those, we are lying. The author calls it out. Let's see if I can find it real quick. If, if verse 6, you don't have to put it, I don't think it's in there, Cody. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In this text, we find that the author says these two things. Number one, if you say this, if we say, I'm close to God, I'm close to God, but we are walking in darkness, you're lying. Say, man, Pastor Matt, that's, that's rough. Yeah, it's tough. It is. But at some point, if we are serious about our relationship with God, we've got to be honest. We have got to be transparent in the place of our souls where everything is riding on that point of your honesty and we need to get real with each other. We need to get real in the church that it's not about showing up, punching a clock, looking like we're doing everything right. It's not about that. It's about our relationship. It's about being full in joy. So let me ask you this question. Have you said that? I've got a great relationship with God. I mean, guess what? We're all guilty of it. We've all done it. John says, if you say, me and God are good. I remember an old uh, Josh Turner song. Anybody remember that in this room? The less than 10 that we have in here? There ain't nothing that can't be done by me and God. <laughs> He's the one I lean on, me and God. <laughs> what was the line? It was like uh, two... Two peas in a pod, me and God. <laughs> He's my father. Anyway, you get the point. <laughs> if we're not careful, sorry, I had to have a little comic relief there. It's getting tense in here. Uh, if we're not careful, we're all about projecting this relationship. And John goes right for it. And he says, listen, I'm writing that your joy may be full. And there's a problem among you. Y'all be saying, oh, we're good, man. We got this thing on lockdown. Me and God, we tight. Y'all, they were singing this song 2,000 years ago in the house church. They were singing that Josh Turner song. Me and God, man, we're doing good. He's my father. He's my friend. And then you talk bad about your brother and sister in Christ. And then you get angry with your children. And then you're abusive. And then you don't care about the lost. You say that you're good with God, and then you walk in darkness. Guess what? You're a liar. You are a liar. Number two, you say, I'm not a sinner. I don't sin. Guess what? You're lying. You're lying. Now, here's what we do as Christians, right? And remember, he wrote this to house churches, people that were probably saved. We consider this thought, and we say, we don't ever claim to be without sin. We don't claim to be without fault. We don't claim to be perfect. That's not my claim. But you act like you don't sin. We need to take this text and, and, and really think about it and understand that we're not too far from these people that are liars in this text if we are honest. That's my goal this morning. Are you honest? Before you can be filled with the joy and connected to our God, you must be honest. And if you say to yourself, I've got a great relationship with God, and you know you don't, 
you're probably also you're probably also acting like you don't have struggles that you actually do have. So is it the same thing for you to act like or for you to, did you hear that so-and-so did this? You're not saying I'm not a sinner, but for you to say that so-and-so struggling with this, or did you, did you hear that this happened? It's your attitude towards others that are sinners, that you are not like that, that puts you in the position, guess what, of being a liar. I don't believe this is saying, I'm perfect, I never sin. No, I believe this is exactly what goes on in churches in 2020. Where we are acting like we got it all together, and we don't. Where we are talking about other people's sin and acting like we ain't got our own problem. That our stuff doesn't stink too. You know what I'm saying. That's an issue, that's a problem. If we're going to be a healthy connected church. we got to be a church that tells the truth. Don't you log off. I will know right now. I will see every one of you that click off this. I don't, I wish I could. Don't, man, that's a great message today. i got to go use the bathroom. No, you don't. You sit right there. You don't go get another cup of coffee. You're a liar. I see you moving out there. Here's the point. We've got to get honest. I'm, this is all, this morning's message is all about perspective. If you're the type of Christian that is like, tell me one plus one to do so that it can equal two and so that I can be saved and so that everything takes care of itself, that is not the gospel. It's just not. The gospel is not the law. It's the relationship. It's not the letter. It's the spirit. And when we are in the new covenant, we don't have that. We don't have this luxury, if you will, of one plus one equals two, right? because we know that we can't keep it. Some of you have never been faced with this truth that you cannot fulfill the law. In other words, you can't do good. You can't fulfill all the obligations that you think you can. You have not been honest with yourself about your own life. And based on that, you have carried those things into your relationship with God, and unfortunately, you are not connected to God. You're a part of category one that says, I'm good with God. I've got a great relationship with God. And in the background, everything's falling apart. The Jenga game is over. One more block that's getting pulled and the whole thing's come crashing down. And you're like, on pins and needles. I want to put you at rest today. I want to move you from a place of anxiety. I want to move you from a place of stress. I want to move you this morning from a place of obligation that says, I have to do all these things, to a place of peace. To a place that says, whew, I'm good. Without saying you're good. Wouldn't, w- listen, everybody put your hand on the, on the screen right now. Just kidding. Uh. Don't you want me to let you off the hook a little bit? If you're a perfectionist, what is that, Enneagram number one? If you're a perfectionist today, you need this truth. You need this truth to let the air out of your balloon a little bit. You've been so tense since day one. Tell me what I have to do as a Christian. It's already been done. We're going to get there. These two questions, I'm sorry, these two things that people say, the author calls you out from the beginning and says, you're a liar. I've got to figure out where I am. I was just kind of going on a roll there. From the beginning of time, we are trying to make ourselves look good or slash better than other people. From the beginning of time. Cain and Abel, think about it. Adam and Eve, all of these struggles, we're constantly trying to make ourselves look better. I find that at the root 
of those statements that the author is calling out. If we have a goal of introducing other people to Jesus, remember those questions I get a lot? Is so-and-so going to heaven? Is so-and-so going to heaven? If we have the goal of introducing people to Jesus, if we have the goal of being full in our joy, of actually having a good relationship with God, we cannot bring that mentality of wanting to be better than into our relationship. John says that's lying and that's being deceitful. That's you trying to get something on the outside that took place on the inside 2,000 years ago. So how do we address this issue of projecting a vision of ourselves, which is deceitful? Or having, uh, I'm sorry, how do we address this issue of, watch this, ignoring areas of ourselves and misrepresenting them to the world and to our God? That's the, I'm not a sinner, I don't sin. How do we address these issues? Two ways. Two ways this morning. Two ways that I find that the author addresses these things. And if you were to read the text, you'll see them. Number one, this is super practical, all right? And, and we're going to recap at the end of this, but I, I want to do a mini recap right now. Stay with me. Don't go. Don't log off. Where we are in this text is very important. If you are struggling, which we all do, so that's all of us, right? If you're a part of all, you need this, right? Uh, this has spoken so much to me, and I want this to help you. So if those things of us trying to project an image, of us trying to look better than, right? The author is going to tell us how to address that. Here it is. Number one, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Remember, this is about perspective. So be more concerned with your direction than, than the perception. When we walk in the light... And John is describing those that walk in the light and those that are in the darkness. Remember John 1, the other book that he wrote, those that are in the darkness don't comprehend the light. So as Christians, as those that are joint heirs with Christ, we are called to walk where? In the light. Here's the problem. Most of us are more concerned with the perception of what people see than the direction that the light is taking us. If we're in the light this morning, we should be concerned about our direction and not the perception. It's our human nature that when light comes on, we think about who can what? See me. But this morning, when addressing these lies that we tell and that we tell ourselves, that we have a good relationship with God, we need to understand this, that it is more about direction than perception. Here's this. Stop talking and start walking. Stop talking and start walking. Our relationship with God is not something that when we begin, when we get placed in the light, we start talking about how good the light makes us look. You women that get in front of the mirror, y'all are all beautiful, right? You look at what the light is showing and then you start what? Covering it up. You start adjusting it. Why? Because of what others perceive what the light is showing you needs to be different. Unfortunately, if we do that as Christians, we're lying. We are not here. We are not gathering in our homes to find the light and to be led to God and to be connected to God only to make ourselves look better. 
What reveals that? Your talk and not your walk. We need to stop talking as the church and start walking. If it's all about what you used to do for God, you're lying. If it's all about what God did in my life and time's gone by, unfortunately, somewhere along the line, it's become about perception instead of direction. What does it mean to walk in the light? Some of you are in positions and you're in places that you've never been before, a.k.a. a pastor, where you're like, man, I'm doing good. I've arrived. It ain't about perception. It's about what's the next step in my relationship with God. Enoch walked with God and was not. Adam, when it was right, walked with God. God is concerned about your direction with him. He wants to come alongside. He wants to be with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's not hiring you as an employee. He's adopted you as a son. And understand this, that it's not about what other people look at you and see. It's about the direction that you're going with your God. If you want to be full in your relationship with God, worry about where you're going with God and not what other people see. Man, since I've started coming to church, everybody can see a difference. I get it. I understand. But let that be a byproduct of your direction and not be the main attraction, it being the perception. The problem with talking and not walking is that we eventually believe our own lie. It's unfortunate. Here's the second thing. We're going to think, the, think of this in a way of a stage. Determine, number one, walk in the light. The author talks about it. Number two, determine your steps. <laughs> this is good. This is what the author is getting at. Determine your steps by what the light reveals, not by what it reveals for others. When we walk in the light, we need to determine our next steps by what the light is revealing to us and not by what it reveals for others. Think about the stage. I remember my wife and I went to, uh, you remember that, babe? We went to a Tyler Perry play. Was that at the Lyric? I think it was at the Lyric. Down in downtown Baltimore. Man, it was incredible. Was it the haves and the have-nots? We went and saw the haves and the have-nots. Tyler Perry plays are insane. They are incredible. Everyone on that stage, if you think about it, the audience is dark, right? It's, it's, it's almost black out there, but the stage is lit up to where you can see every detail. And, and it's funny how those that were on the stage performing that play, they weren't asking people in the audience for their next step. Okay, what do you think I should do next? What song do you think we should sing? Where, where do I need to go next? What's my next line? They weren't asking the audience who were looking at them in the light for their next step. The audience does not determine the play. The playwriter decides the journey and destination of the play. Our God reveals the show by providing the light for the stage and then gives us a place to perform regardless of our ability. That's where the illustration falls apart. We're not looking for superstars. We're looking for our next step that God is calling us to go to. So think, play. When, when, when we're after this thing of us being real, of our joy being full, I'm not after a church full of people that act like their joy is full. 
I'm after a church that is simply Jesus, that we are a bunch of people working together, and the shots are being called by the playwriter, by the one that is directing it. And we are just doing what we are supposed to do, and the light is revealing it to the audience, and the audience is moved by what God is doing on that play. We're a part of it. If you begin to take suggestions from the audience, if you begin to say, uh, what do you think you see here? How does this make me look? What do you think about that? The insecurity that the devil leverages, the anxiety and the fear that he then turns to and says, you're not good enough. That's why they haven't, uh, that's why they haven't accepted. That's why they haven't moved forward in their faith. It's all about you failing. No, it's not. It's not about the audience's perception of you. It's about what the light is revealing for you to do next what God has called you to do. Think play. Man, determine your steps by what the light reveals, not by what it reveals for others. If you determine your steps in this play by what the audience is saying, chances are you're going to end up falling off the stage. But if you let the light reveal where you're supposed to go, and you follow what God has for you, I guarantee you, your joy will be built. It will be filled. Let's be specific this morning. Our sin. Let's be specific. We said walk in the light. Determine your steps by what the light reveals. The thing is, is we must be specific about our sin. John tells us to walk in the truth and to tell the truth. If you think about the light, is God, and God is truth, the light is truth, and if we're walking in that light, we are walking in truth. I want you to look at these few verses, 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10 in our text. If we say we have no sin, we what? Deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful. You, You need to underline this highlight it, circle it, whatever you got to do. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We see here that God is not asking you to be perfect. God is asking you to be honest. Honesty is the light. This is why we see that God gives grace to the humble from the book of James. He said, I will exalt those that are humble. I will give greater grace to them. Why do we see that? Because it's honesty. It's not perfection. He's not saying, you get in the light and you don't sin. He says, chapter 2, verse 1, I'm not saying this unto you that you can sin. I'm not giving you a license like Paul would say. God forbid. No. But I am telling you that when you're in the light and the light reveals something, just tell the truth. Don't lie about it. This is something that if you can unlock today, it will change your life. It will literally change the trajectory of your life. You have been lying about your behavior And the Holy Spirit can't bear witness in you. It can't fill. You're in the dark. And he's saying the darkness doesn't comprehend what the light is supposed to be doing. See? This is where this becomes abundantly clear. God is looking for his children to just be honest. 
John tells us in verse 7. Look at it, verse 7, but if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have had from the beginning. Think about this. This is not a new thing. Just tell the truth. The only person we are fooling is ourselves when we are not honest. But when we tell the truth, we give an audience of the world a glimpse into what it is like to live in the light. When we tell the truth. When we unlock the power of this, we are on our way to becoming full and full of joy. Maybe you feel like confessing today is losing. Maybe you feel like... Uh, you know, you think about those that were in grade school saying, don't narc, don't tell the teacher, and that, that it is a sign of weakness. John says, no. Lying is a sign of weak Christianity. Honesty is a sign of your faith being full. I promise you, I promise you, that the truth is the way into the light. The gospel itself shows us otherwise that it is not a lie. Here's a recap. I want you to be full of joy. First step in that is to tell the truth. Continue in that truth, and I will fill you up. Sinning doesn't put you in the dark. Lying about your sin does. Sinning doesn't put you in the dark. Lying about your sin does. Uh, hey, hey, sinning doesn't put you in the dark. Lying about your sin does. Stay in the light. Confess that sin. Watch me use it for my good, God says. I want you. God says, I don't want you, beca I don't, I don't want you because of what you can do. I want you because I love you. I want you to confess it, not say that you didn't do it. I want you to just confess it, not say that you didn't do it. Forgiveness will fill you. Lying will bury you. Church, forgiveness will fill you. Lying will bury you. Some of you are buried today. You are buried. You've been saying you have a good relationship with God for years. You're connected with God, and He's leading you, and He's guiding you, and it's been a front for years. You don't know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God because you don't know what it's like to tell the truth. I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, listen, I can handle it. I'm a big boy. Just don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth and we'll work through it. Here's the thing. <laughs> We've convinced ourselves in the westernized church what good looks like. We've convinced ourselves that it's going to church when the doors are open, not cursing, saying my prayers every day, talking about Jesus, playing Christian radio. We've convinced ourselves that that's being full. And then we keep what we really are hidden to everybody else around us. We keep our struggles a secret. And we just think, that's, that's just me and God, we'll deal with those things. But you don't. Let's start off this study with being honest. Let's look at these texts one more time. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
I'm doing so good. This is amazing. I found church. I don't struggle with those things anymore. Watch. Be careful. Don't set yourself up for a fall. Be careful of the way that you're proceeding, the way you're looking to people around you. Is it about perception or is it about direction? My life is changed. I'm headed in a new direction. I have greater grace to deal with my shortcomings. Why? Look at it. Look at it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at verse 1 in chapter 2. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin. Come on, that's all you need. Right there, just sit in it. If you sin, he's not saying, and you got to be perfect. And after you're saved, and after you come to me, and after you're one of my children, don't mess up. Keep walking that line. Don't do wrong. He's saying, if you sin, when you sin, understand, if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He doesn't say that your righteousness will bear witness to God. The perception of all the good that you're doing will speak to the world, and they will uh, understand that you have a good relationship with God. No, he says, this is between you and God. I'm writing that your joy may be filled in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all I want you to do is get in the light. And if the light reveals something that is wrong, just confess it. Don't act like you don't sin. Don't bury it. Don't act like you don't struggle. Just confess it. Forgiveness will fill you. Lying will bury you. Jesus is our advocate. He is, verse 2, the propitiation for our sins. That means he's the appeasement. He appeases what our sin does, he meets the requirement for us to continue in the light. You're continuing in the light. Listen, here's what happens. If you deny it, if you don't confess it, what you're doing is you're giving a place for the devil to shame you later. You're giving a place for the devil to say, see, I knew you couldn't do it. And God says, I knew you couldn't do it from the beginning. That's why you have an advocate with Jesus. That's why he is the one. It's his righteousness that was put on the line. It's him that paid the price. And I'm looking to him for the appeasement, not you. Just, now, now you should have complete clarity about our two points. Just walk in the light. Just continue. And when other people look at you and say, you're a sinner, you say, you're right but I got an advocate. I got somebody that's better than anybody, and his name is Jesus. And he appeases God on every front. I don't have a God that judges me. I don't have a God that looks at me and condemns me and breaks me. I got a God that loves me enough to send his only begotten son. And he appeases the wrath of God. And that's why I can continue in the light. Bethlehem, I want you to know that your pastor is not looking for you to be perfect. Your pastor is just looking for you to be honest. I believe, I strongly believe that revival starts with honesty. Our being connected and being full of joy like this passage is going to lead us into has to start with us being honest. You don't have to take credit for or be ashamed for 
We are covered on every front based on what Jesus did. We say simply Jesus here. So stop putting on a front. The faster you take down the front and the faster you're honest about where you really are, you'll be shocked at the direction that the light leads you in. You'll be shocked at how less you sin because of the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God that washes over you. Your gratitude will be so, it will be, watch, 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 full. You'll be grateful. You, you, you won't believe. Listen, I'm, every day when I go in my quiet time and I read my Bible and I pray, I start with confession most of the time. And when I confess my sin, I don't feel the weight of God, you know, just like the hammer. I don't. I feel the grace of God. He's a gentle shepherd. But when I lie, I feel distant. It's disruptive. I feel empty. Listen, if you can just get this one truth before we go on to the next few verses, it's going to be good. Listen, next week is love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But before we get to 1 John 2.15, we have to get to the place of where are you in your relationship with God? Do you actually confess when you're wrong? Or do you act like you're in the light and loving God when you're really not? Listen, church, let's just be honest today. Let's let down our guard, so to speak, and be transparent with our God that already knows, with our God that has already paid for those sins. If you're joining us today for the first time, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this thing of confession starts, salvation starts with that. Salvation starts with you saying, God, I'm a sinner. And, and, and man, based on my sin, the Bible says Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that our penalty for sin was death in hell. Hell that was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. Uh, but the point is, is that God sent his son, Jesus, to live on this earth. John 3.16, famous verses. Romans 5.8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, right, there's the truth again from today, Christ died for us. This relationship with Jesus starts with you admitting your sin, starts with you putting your faith and trust in the one that can take care of your sin. Maybe you think, I just need to live a good life. I just need to do the right thing. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. As you heard today, even Christians struggle with that tension after salvation. They struggle with their good works performing even though they know that that didn't get them into heaven to begin with. We need to lay our pride aside. You need to put your faith, put your trust. I know you've never seen Jesus. I know you weren't alive 2,000 years ago. That's what faith is for. That's what the word of God is for. We have eyewitnesses uh, that, that God preserved for us, for us to know that it was real, that it was true. The only God that ever rose again on the third day, proving that what he said he was, God, was absolutely true. And Jesus died for you. He loves you. And all he wants you to do is accept him. All he wants you to do is make him your Lord and Savior, not yourself. The devil will convince you that you're good enough and that you just run your life the way you want to. That's a lie also. 
So this morning, I encourage you, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about going to heaven when you die, and you're listening to this, what I'm saying is making sense to you. Uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about it and lead you into that decision of making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Maybe put a comment below and say, Pastor Matt, I want to know more about heaven. And I'll reach out to you uh, this afternoon or tomorrow. Church, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm going to have a time of prayer before we go. But I hope this book is already ministering to your heart. I hope the message of 1 John is becoming clear. Let's just be honest together. Let's just trust that God is going to lead us, in his, lead us in his light to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. And let's just be real. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he has done for us. Father, I pray for all of our people that are joining us here online. I pray that uh, you would comfort. Father, I pray that your light would shine in their hearts and, and would reveal, Father, the, the peace would reveal the, the next steps of us not uh, joining in the hysteria, but us trusting, us loving, us being forgiving to others around us, not being worried about what we look like, but, Father, worried about what you think about us. Father, keeping short accounts in our relationship with you and just being honest and transparent about what you already know. Father, use this book, as you already have in my life this week, to continue to bring us closer connected to you, connected to each other. Father, that our church may be full of joy. We love you. We cherish Jesus as our greatest treasure. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You're dismissed.